Well, I recognize that I, I selected a verse more in keeping with Mother's Day for Mother's Day, you know, Psalm 3130, uh, focused at least on, on a woman who is pleasing to the Lord and how she will be praised. But I, I do see in this verse uh, something about fatherhood as well, but it, it applies to all believers. Uh, but we are going to look at Luke 9:23. And uh, first, before we begin, what we like to do is repeat it a few times to see if we can start helping it enter into our, our brains as a, as a memory verse. So we're going to say this together as it is, and then we'll take away a few words and say it again, and then we'll, we'll take away a few words and say it again, see if we can't fill in the blanks from our memory, and hopefully our memory will not go blank. But let's go ahead and, and say this again together, shall we? Luke chapter 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Alright, so let's take away some of those words that are important. Let's say this again, shall we? Luke 9.23 And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. And I forget the daily, so I emphasize the daily. So that's just me. All right, let's take away all. Ooh, ah, okay, here we go. Ready? Let's say this again one last time together. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. All right, good job. Good job. And if you're like me, you, you might have heard this or said it before or memorized it even in a different translation and, and you want to change some of those words. I do. I don't want to say he must deny himself. I want to say let him deny himself, but that's okay. That's okay. It's, it's helpful for me to, to have to remember the different words. And uh, today, though, there, there's so much here that's rich. Uh, the focus of this verse, though, is on following. Uh, anyone wishes to come after me, the words come after me mean to walk behind, and what else is that but then to follow somebody. And, and the ending, Jesus says, and follow me. So the whole, the whole verse has with it the idea of, do you want to follow Jesus, and what does it look like to follow Jesus? We've looked this month at the fact that we are branches and that Jesus is the vine, that we must abide with Him and He abide with us if we are to bear any fruit. And last week we looked at what that fruit is, the fruit of the Spirit that is love and joy and peace. That these things that that we obtain by walking with Christ, and, and oftentimes what we do is we can look at the benefits of walking with Christ, of following Him. We, we think about the good things that we're going to get. Oh, I get forgiveness of my sins. Maybe I get to become less sinful in my behavior. I'll, I'll grow in Him and, and He'll provide for me. He'll protect me. He'll guide me. All these things. And sometimes, some people take that a bit too much and Jesus just becomes a cosmic Santa Claus who gives us whatever we want. And the focus is on what we get, 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 get. We can't 
focus too much on what we get without also realizing what it costs. Not just what it costs Jesus on the cross, but what does it cost us? That there is another side to being the children of God. That, that we get the Holy Spirit, we get to enter into His room with confidence, into His presence with confidence, and we can pray to Him and we know that He loves us. But Jesus also tells us there's another side to it. That if we're going to follow Jesus, it is going to require something of us. Not that we pay for our salvation through it, but it requires something of us to be a branch attached to the vine. It requires something of us to follow Him. And this is the part I think not everybody likes to look at or focus on. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, what Jesus is telling them is, He says, hey, anyone. And notice He was saying to them all. all right? and, and that's actually, He was just saying to all there, and, and certain words are added for English uh, to make it easier for us to understand. If anyone wishes to come after me anyone he's not talking about anybody specific it's open to the world if anyone wishes to come after me if anyone wants to follow me he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me and and, and if you were to and one of the things that uh, i always want to say as i'm saying it is let him deny himself and let him take up his cross daily and let him follow me because those all three of those phrases are in what is called the imperative mood which means that there is a required action or a command all right so when we when he says he must he's not putting a necessarily requirement but but it requires uh, there I go using that word, you know. You can't do it without, is the way I'm trying to say. It, it, it's not a way to buy salvation. It's not a way to buy being a disciple of Jesus. But you cannot follow him unless you do these things. Th th to follow him requires that we deny ourselves. To follow Him requires that we would take up our cross daily and then actively follow Him. Anything else, we're not truly following Jesus. If I'm trying to live my own life and do my own thing, but I want to acknowledge Jesus and I want to say good things about Jesus, but when it comes down to my life, I still make my own decisions and I go my own way, I'm not following Jesus. To follow Jesus means giving up my own way, my own will even. And, and he says here, in fact, that to following Jesus means denying your own will. That's what it means when he says you must deny yourself. That word to deny means to, to say no to, to repudiate, to disown. You must deny yourself. And to deny yourself is to not to deny your own will. And follow Him. We, we saw back um, in, in February, I think it was, at the beginning of uh, the Lenten season on the way to Easter, uh, 
Isaiah 53, 6. All of us have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. If we continue to go in our own way, we continue to be led astray by our own desires. We have to, to, to follow Jesus requires us to deny ourselves. It means to say, I'm wrong, you're right, God. I'm going the wrong direction on my own. Your way is the right direction. I'm going to follow your way. It means to say, not my will, but yours be done. We see that even Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said that very thing to God. He said, I would rather not go to the cross. If there's any way we can do this without the cross, that would be my preference. Let this cup pass over me, but not my will, but yours be done. And there are basically, I didn't come up with this, but it's been said there are basically two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. You don't want to be in the second group. The second group is disobedience. The second group is rebellion against God. It does not end well for the second group. And yet, what is our heart desire? What is our natural impulse? What is, what is normal for us but to choose our own way? And to look at the ways that God would lead us and, and to try to talk our way out of it. Oh, that's not what he really meant. You know, it's, it's the same thing that the devil did to, to Eve in the garden. Oh, did he really tell you? Did he really say? That's not going to happen. And we like to do that same thing. We like to say to ourselves, oh, did Jesus really say? No, he didn't mean, uh, you know, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. No, no, no. He was, that was poetic. No, he, he really said, don't store up your treasures on earth. He really said to sell our possessions as believers, to give to the poor and, and to follow him. But we like to come up with other things because we have a will and it's our own. And yet Jesus here, he tells us, we must deny ourselves and follow him. We must deny our own will. Jesus says several times that we cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. But the same can be true about ourselves. You cannot serve God and yourself. You can't be the master of your own life. You can't be the master of your own fate. And as long as we continue to hold on tightly to our lives and say, this is what I want, God, we're not following Him. We're not denying ourselves. So he's calling his disciples and he's calling each one of us to deny ourselves, to deny our own will, to deny our own stature and standing and follow him. That's a tough, tough thing to do. Jesus says in uh, verse 23 there, he says, uh, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. So, in a sense, you're laying yourself down, you're denying yourself, you're saying no to yourself, and you're saying yes to a cross, to take it up. Now, this is interesting because he hadn't actually mentioned the cross in his own life at this point, in, in this passage. But you got to understand, verse 23 comes right after Jesus has been with his disciples, and he's been serving and ministering to people, and... Uh, the crowd has been following him and he has just 
fed the 5,000 and they've received 12 baskets full after that. And, and it happened that after that, he was talking to his disciples and he was asking them, who do people say that I am? And they, you know, John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, or one of the other prophets were born, you know. And he says, well, who, who do you say I am? In verse 20, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. That word, the Christ, is the, the Greek version of the Jewish word Messiah, which means the chosen one. You are the chosen one of God. You are the one that we are hoping for to restore Israel. You are the one that God promised through Isaiah the prophet that you would come and you would save your people. Now at this time, Peter and the rest of the Jews, they have a certain idea about what that means. They think, because contextually they're, uh, they're oppressed by the Romans, so they're thinking, you're here to save us from the Romans. They have a short-term focus. It, it may go on for hundreds of years, but it's short-term. You're here to save us from our enemies. They don't understand yet. No, no, Jesus is here to save them from their own enemy, their selves, their sin. You are the Christ of God. And, and it's a great proclamation, and Jesus does not uh, dissuade him any otherwise. Instead, in verse 21, but he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone. It's like, you're on the right track, Peter. You're, you're telling the truth. The world's not ready for it. And here's why. He was saying to them in verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He has been proclaimed to be the Christ of God and His immediate response is, you need to understand what that means. You can't tell anybody yet because the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. Be the Christ of God. The cho I mean, just think about the irony here. The chosen one of God. Rejected by the elders. Rejected by the chief priests. Chosen by God. Rejected by His people. Rejected by the elders. Rejected by the chief priests. And he must be killed and be raised up on the third day. It is within that context that he says to us, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He is telling us that this following Jesus is not all uh, kumbaya and happy times. In fact, if that's what you're being told, if that's what somebody's selling to you, they're selling you a lie. Because to follow Jesus Christ means to follow him uh, in these ways. He, he, he shows us there in verse uh, 22 that, that his glory, that he is the, the Christ of God, the chosen one of God, is connected to his suffering and his humility, his humiliation on the cross. And, and here's the, the thing, as you think about it, you know, you, you, you go back in time and you think about all of, who, were, who were God's spokespersons to the nation of Israel? They, they weren't men dressed in fine clothing. They were always kind of scraggly, scruffy, goat hair wearing, 
men, right? And you had John the Baptist was the last prophet of, 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 of uh, God before Jesus, and he's walking around in camel skin. He's eating locusts and honey. He is not the guy that people say, I really hope my kid grows up to be like him, right? He is not the picture of success. And it's not just that. Look at the nation of Israel, a puny little nation that was slaves in Egypt. And God says, that's going to be my people. And not even that, just thinking of, of his instructions to the people. I mean, they, they made the tabernacle and it was glorious. They made the temple and it was glorious. But prior to that, his instructions to them about building altars, their altars were always supposed to be humble. They were, they were supposed to be just use the rocks that you can find. Don't cut them. Don't make them look pretty. Don't make them look nice. Just stack a bunch of rocks up on each other. Don't elevate them. Don't put them up high. Just on the ground level, offer your sacrifices to me in a humble way. Because what we like to do is we like to build altars. We like to raise them up. We like to make them exalted. God doesn't need that. He is exalted. He exalts the lowly. Whether it be uh, a prophet, whether it be David, who was just the youngest of Jesse's kids. You know, Jesse doesn't even think about him. Oh, I've still got one son, I guess, but he's out watching the sheep. You're looking for a king. I've brought you my best boys. And Samuel says, no, go out and get David. We're not going to continue until he shows up. Because God is elevating David, just as he elevated Saul. Saul was the least of the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin was the least of the tribes, and yet God exalted him. That's what he does. Jesus' glory is inseparable from his humility because God's glory is inseparable from humility. It, it, he doesn't need the grandiose things that we try to do. I, I think about this even with you know, churches, and, and um, we want bigger facilities, bigger structures, bigger programs. We want to show all the great things God is doing through us. But God's way is a cross. God's way is 12 men, one of whom kills himself after betraying Jesus, and the 11, other 11 scatter and hide. This is God's glory. This is God's way. The thing that everybody would have looked at as being shameful, Jesus on the cross is God's most glorious act. His glory is inseparable from humility and from his own humility. Even Jesus, what did he do? He laid aside the glories of heaven and came down to earth as a baby. Not just any baby, but a baby of an unwed mother in a way. Granted, Joseph had taken her as his wife by then, but there were still plenty of rumors to go around about Jesus for the rest of his life. He was born in such circumstances that his parents laid him in a feeding trough, in a manger for cattle to eat out of. They, they got rid of the feed and they put their baby in there. Those are humble circumstances for anybody. But for the Creator, the Word of God who speaks, and it was... But that's his glory. His glory is inseparable from his humility. And we've got to recognize that as, as his followers when he tells us to take up our cross and follow him daily. He's not saying that we can take up our cross and, and, and it's, it's not a salvific 
cross that we take up. Jesus took up a salvific cross. Jesus took another human being's cross and He died on it and through that He saved us. We are not able to save ourselves by suffering. He's not talking about that. What He is talking about though is Jesus' humility. His sacrifice. His suffering on our behalf. That if we are going to follow Him, we have to deny ourselves and take up a cross. Take up our cross and follow Him. To go and live the way He lived. To walk in His ways. To accept suffering on our own lives. The cross, remember the old rugged cross calls it the emblem of suffering and shame. Paul several times talks about how in his life he felt himself fulfilling the sufferings of Christ in his own body. That that all those who desire to live a godly life are going to suffer in this world. We have a tendency to avoid and desire to avoid suffering, don't we? I mean, it's, it's kind of normal. If I can do it in an easier way, I'm going to. I remember I was in OCS and we had this uh, sergeant that was instructing us. And I think he'd been a motor pool guy before he was doing that, but uh, he definitely wasn't infantry, let me just tell you that. And I just remember this one time, uh, it, was, it had rained, and we're out in the field, and we're doing maneuvers, and we're running through this area, and he's trying to tell guys to run through a puddle. And almost everybody's hopping over the puddle. Everybody's hopping over, and he's sitting there yelling at us to, to, to step in the water. And most everybody's smart enough to say, I'll live with whatever comes of him being angry at me. I'm just jumping over this puddle. I'm not putting my boot in this. I remember later on, our our commanding officer, our platoon commander came in and debriefed us. And and he was an infantry guy. and, And he recognized he had a problem because we were in trouble for disobeying the sergeant. And he said, you know... When you're out in the field, you have plenty of times to get nasty. If you can avoid something, you might as well. (laughs) He kind of understood where everybody was coming from. We have a tendency, a desire to avoid uncomfortable things. We have a tendency to avoid suffering if we can. and, And there's no call for us to go seeking it out. Right? There's no call to say, oh, I must... That, that, there, there's a group of people in Christianity throughout history that would do that. You know, the aesthetics where they would get rid of all that they had and they would live in a cave. And there was one guy, he lived on a podium, on a pedestal, way up in the sky. And he had to tie a rope around himself so he wouldn't fall off when he fell asleep. And his disciples would have to climb up and give him food or he'd have to lower a bucket to bring it up. And he lived there for years on end. Jesus is not calling us to these things. You don't have to go out and seek suffering. But if you follow Jesus Christ, if you take up your cross and follow Him, if you accept His suffering, if you accept His shame, if you acknowledge your identity with Him, you cannot help but suffer. It's going to be a part of your life. Those who walk with Jesus will suffer. And you need to know that as a follower of Jesus, that suffering is a normal part of your life. That there are going to be people who reject you because you don't reject Jesus. 
And that hurts. There are going to be people who will call upon you to do things and you won't do them because you're following Jesus, not them. And it could hurt you. It could hurt you at business. It could hurt you at home. It could hurt you with your friends. It could hurt you with your neighbors. And you might suffer for the sake of Christ. You might suffer for the sake of Christ by being called to be a missionary in a country like uh, Madagascar, and then you find out you have to deworm yourself every six months. Oh, isn't that a joyful thing? Nobody ever calls people to, to go and be dewormed every six months. No, they call you to share the gospel, but there's suffering involved. It comes with it. Malaria. All sorts of diseases we don't have to worry about in America. There is suffering involved. You don't have to go out looking for it. It'll come to you if you're following Jesus. But we have to acknowledge and recognize that the call to follow him is to deny ourselves. Because here's the thing, we have to deny ourselves if we're going to actually experience that suffering. Because left on yourself, you're going to jump over it. You're going to avoid it. But sometimes when you're following Jesus, you've got to go through the muck. Sometimes when you're following Jesus, you've got to step in that puddle. You've got to get your foot wet. And you've got to suffer for a while. Sometimes when you're following Jesus, that happens because that was Jesus' life. His glory is inseparable from his humility, and his humility is touched with his sacrifice and his sufferings. We don't sacrifice for him, but we will suffer. That's what this taking up your cross daily means. For the first 300 years of the church's existence, the church suffered. The church was on the outside. But then in the 300 A.D. time period, uh, Constantine became emperor, and he became Christian. And all of a sudden he said the church is legal. Not only is the church legal, but it's number one. Christianity is the number one religion in Rome and in the empire. And people who had suffered and struggled for 300 years all of a sudden became in charge of things. And the focus became on big buildings, on beauty, on gold, on wealth, on power. And the church always struggles with that ever since. Jesus calls us to deny ourselves. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. And if you're going to deny yourself and you're going to do what he tells you to do, suffering is going to happen. It's just a part of, a, a part of life for a Christian. And so, and here's the thing. That very first part, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me. Here here is the great focus for us today. Anyone wishes. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Because look at what the very next thing is in verse 24, the, the concluding um, context for us here. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake he is the one who will save it. Jesus acknowledges that if you deny yourself and you pick up your cross and you follow him, you may lose your life. You do, in a, in a way, lose your life. You, you lose your life to Christ. But if you do that, you're going to save it. But whoever wishes to save his life, whoever wants to try to save their life on their own, in their own ways, maybe by avoiding that suffering, maybe by not denying themselves, but but doing their own thing. Oh, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. 
And when I'm done doing this, I'm going to proclaim your name again, and I'm going to say you're a nice God, and, and you must be a good teacher, and, and it's good, and I feel good to go to church with you, but, uh, but on Monday through Friday, I'm doing this. But don't worry, Jesus, I'll be back to say hi on Sunday. But my will is over here. If we try to save our lives in that way, we're going to lose it. So, so Jesus is saying it, it, it may look bad, it may look difficult. There have been people who, because they follow Jesus, they have died for him. They have died for their proclamation of faith. They have suffered and, and been tortured for their faith. We have what are called martyrs. Those are the ones who have witnessed unto death. And then, and then you have what are called confessors. Those are the people that didn't die. They may have suffered just as much as a martyr. They may have even suffered more, but they didn't die from it. But we call them confessors because they confessed Christ and they did not renounce Him, even under great torture. They saved their lives. There were probably people that went through those experiences that thought, well, I'll just deny Jesus just this once. I'll save my life. I'll live another day. And Jesus says they, they, don't, they don't save their lives. They lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. And that, that focus on the word wishes. Notice it was in verse 23. Whoever wishes to, follow after, to come after me. Here, if anyone wishes uh, to save his life. This word wishes, it, it, it means will. It means desire. It is what do you want? What do you design to happen in your life? God's will be done. His wish, His desire, what He wants in your life is His will. And we can have a will too. We can have that will to, uh, to save ourselves. We can have a desire to be safe. We can have a desire to avoid suffering. I, I think it's interesting there that He says, if anyone wishes, to come after me. So we got to recognize not everybody wants Jesus. Not everybody desires to follow him. Remember, there, there are five soils, and only one of them produces fruit. Five soils in the parable of the sower. Only one produces fruit. There are those that the, the seed falls on the road, and the birds come and pick it up, and it never, it never goes in. There are people in this world who just, they, they might hear it, but it never even, never even enters into their thoughts, their hearts at all. They're just hardened to the Word of God. There are some people that they receive the Word of God and they're, they spring up, but there are thorns growing with them. And those thorns choke out the worries of the world, the fears of life, the struggle chokes out any life and any faith they might have had. There are some people that they, they receive the Word of God and they, they, they are excited when they first hear it. They, 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 you know, they show up to church and they go to every activity and anytime the church doors are open and they're there and they're studying their Bible and they're reading it, oh, and then as soon as something happens in their life that's a little bit out of their comfort zone, as soon as something happens, some suffering, some hardship comes their way, all of a sudden they just wither and die. Because they didn't have deep roots. They didn't grow deep. It was a surface level attraction. 
I think, honestly, those are the people I think of the most because I, I, I can, I've seen so many come and go through the church. They get excited and then they fall away. We're called to be, I guess I said five soils, there's four. <laughs> but uh, we're called to be good soil that produces a crop. Roots go down deep and hold on. And when the scorching sun comes, it doesn't destroy us. When, when hardship comes, it doesn't defeat us. When the worries of the world come, we don't let them be our focus. We keep our focus on Christ. But there are a lot of people who really don't want to follow Jesus. They might, they might like Him. They might respect Him. They might think He's a nice uh, accessory to their life. But they don't want to follow Him. Because following requires humility. Following requires denying themselves. Following requires accepting uh, suffering and taking up that cross daily. And, and, and so what I want to really put to you today to consider, do you actually want Jesus? Do you actually want Jesus? with all that that entails, to deny yourself, to deny your own will, to take up a cross, your cross, and follow Him. Do you actually want Jesus? Because there's, there's a good chance some of us, we like Jesus, we want Him as long as things are fun and as things are good and as things are profitable, but if it's going to cost me, I don't want Him. If it means I'm going to suffer, I don't know if I want Him. If it means I'm going to go without certain things, I don't know that I want Him. If it means He's going to lead me somewhere I don't want to go, I don't know that I want Him. And that's what we've got to figure out. Do we really, actually want Jesus? Do you want Him if it means He completely upends your world? Do you want Him if it means that you will suffer in this world, in this life? Do you want Him if it means that you have to deny yourself and stop doing your own desires? Do you actually want Jesus? If anyone wishes to come after Me, is that your wish? He says, if you really wish, if you really want it, let me tell you what it's going to look like. You must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross daily and follow me. That's what he's calling us to. We like the idea of bearing fruit. We like the idea of being a branch on the vine. And maybe you don't like the idea of suffering. I know I don't. But yet, anyone who tries to live a godly life in this world today is going to suffer. Do you want Jesus? If so, we need to recognize we need to deny ourselves. Take up our cross. Follow Him. This verse maybe has a little bit more punch in it now, doesn't it? Let's say it again, shall we, before we close in a word of prayer. Luke 9.23 And He was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself 
and take up His cross daily and follow Me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it goes without saying we want the good stuff. We want life and we want provision and we want joy and we want uh, to live good lives. Lord, I pray that we would want you bad enough, that we would want Jesus bad enough, that we would accept the fact that we must deny ourselves, that we must pick up our cross and follow him, that, that the glories of Jesus do not come without his humiliation and his suffering that they are tied together. In fact, your glory is tied in humility. The, the greatest things you have done are not grandiose, but small and still. You spoke and it was created. You sent your Son as a baby. You sent Him to the cross. Even in our own lives, there is no great thing we must do. There is no way we can earn it. There is no uh, achievement that we can do. There is no task we must follow. It is so simple, it's easy to overlook it. We, we merely need to believe in Jesus Christ with our hearts. That we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's such a small thing that we try to add on to it. And yet your greatest work is done in such humble ways. Lord, we pray for us today that we would want to come after Jesus. Knowing that He is your chosen one. Knowing that He had to go to the cross. That He was rejected. And yet He suffered and died and rose again. Lord, we pray that it would be our desire to follow Him, knowing that it is not an easy path, that it does not give us blessings all the time, but sometimes those blessings are sorrowful and they hurt, that we will suffer, that we will be rejected. Lord, I pray it's our desire that we would want You so much more than the people around us or their praise or their acceptance. Father, we pray that we would follow you knowing we will suffer. That we would give up and say no to our own will, our own selves, and in turn say yes to you and your will. We pray, Lord, that over time our will would become your will. That, that we would no longer feel that fight, but that our desires would be those things that you desired for us. We pray, Father, for those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today, who have not placed their faith in Him, have not begun to walk with Him. Lord, that they would count the cost, that they would recognize it does cost something for us. This faith does not mean it is all easy, but it comes with rejecting ourselves. I pray, Lord, that they would see the value in that, the benefit and not going their own way, not being led astray, but following your path. Because, Father, you are the way. You are the only true way to life. We find you through Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for those that don't know Jesus, that they would hear your Spirit's call. 
that they would see the cost and choose you through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.